dive in here. Uh, tonight's lesson is receiving and giving agape love. And your, your first verse we're going to go over is John 3.16, which is the verse probably all of us know, but it's very appropriate, especially for the Christmas season. And it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. I want you guys to, to, to listen to a few key words there in that verse. It says, For God so loved, keep on that word love, that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. If we stop and really think about that kind of love, that even when we were sinners, we rejected God, and did not love God, and did not worship Him, God sent His only Son, who was perfect, to this earth to die for you, and to die for me, so that we don't perish, but have eternal life. We believe in Him. That's the greatest love anybody could ever show us. That's the greatest love in history. But God instructs us that this kind of love is a love that we can have in our lives today. It's a love that we can have for Him as well. It's a love that we can share with others. And then when we begin to love like that, the world takes notice. And the world says something's different about those people. Something's different about the Gardner Baptist Church. Something's different about those Christians. Because the way they show love is something I'm not used to. Because the world around us today doesn't show that kind of love. We have a very warped mindset of what love is in our 21st century. A lot of us in our 21st century turn on the TV channel, you know, pick any kind of show we want to binge watch, and typically each show has some kind of uh, romantic drama mixed in there. Either it's a medical show or something like that, or some kind of behind the scenes, you know, love drama mixed in. And most of the way they show love is through a more sexual sense, okay? That's the kind of love we promote in the, in the world today. Um, but the kind of love that's displayed in John 3.16 is interpreted agape. And that's what I want you guys to take notice, notice of tonight, is agape love. There's three different types of love you can show a person in this world. The first one is eros, which eros is more of the love you see on TV. Uh, it's more of the romantic, physical kind of love that probably all of us, you know, have seen too much uh, on TV. Um, but it says here, eros is the Greek word, it is said to mean longing or desire. As mentioned, this kind of love that you typically experience when you are infatuated with someone, it happens to be, be, named, be the name of the Greek god of love. The other kind of love we can show people today is the philos love. The philos. And it's a common type of love that we experience. This love is more of one that we have for a brother or sister. Somebody that we really care about. Maybe it's even a parent. Somebody like that that you, you respect a lot and you care a lot for. And you have a love for them. So it's not a physical kind of attraction kind of love. But it's a love that you care deeply about that person. And the last kind of love is the one that God calls us to show, which is agape. And agape love is very different than those two loves. Agape love is considered a divine love. It is like the love that God had for His Son, Jesus Christ. It's the love that Christ had for all human beings when He gave His life to redeem us from sin. It's considered by many the purest type of love in the Bible. And so that's what we're going to talk through here tonight. So if you don't mind, go ahead and bow your heads and pray and we'll dive on in. Dear Lord, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be in your house tonight, to worship and to praise you. And God, I ask that as we go about the study of agape love, that you show us what that truly means 
Not just for the kind of love you have for us, but how can we show that love to you and to others? Change us from within tonight, God. Show us your will and your truth. Let us abide in you in all that we do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So as we open up here, uh, I'll be the first one to tell you, agape love is not easy to display. Agape love is not an easy kind of love to show people. You know, it's, it's a very difficult kind of love because it's not our human nature. Because human nature, we have a sinful human nature. The way we were born into this world, we were born into a very sinful and dark place. And so humans don't naturally come out and are just lovey-dovey people and just care for everybody. Okay, otherwise we wouldn't have all the news stories we see every night. So agape love goes against our human nature, but it's how God intended us to be. And when we get to heaven one day, it's the kind of love we're going to live in for all eternity. And so this is the kind of love that we should strive for, even in our broken state as humans on earth, we should strive to have this kind of love. And I'll be the first one to tell you that this is not the kind of love that I just always show on a daily basis. I wish I did. But I struggle myself to show people this kind of love and to show God this kind of love on a consistent basis. Because again, it's not easy. But I'm working on that too. And so I want, you, I want to challenge you guys tonight as we go through to examine your own lives and say, how can I love people more like this? And how can I love God more in this way? So before we go into that, we have to understand this kind of love and how God truly loves us in this agape way. So agape love is not based on looks, ability, it's not based on what someone did for you, or even how someone treated you. Agape love is considered unconditional. You'll see that in your guide there too. Agape love is unconditional love. It means that no matter how that person treats you, you choose to love them regardless. So again, if you look at God and how He loves us, we constantly throughout our whole lives turn against God and do things we're not supposed to do. Yet God is constantly chasing and pursuing us because that's the kind of love He shows us. And no matter how we treat Him, He's going to love us. He's going to be reaching after us to bring us back to His will. Even when we mess up, we ask forgiveness, God uses us again for His glory in the future. It's a selfless kind of love, and it's the definition of humility. And that is why it says in Isaiah 53.10, and you can look at your guide here, Isaiah 53.10 says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He hath put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So it's saying there that it was the will of the Lord, and God was happy to crush Jesus. Now that sounds very odd. Okay, we hear that and we're like, what? Um, and obviously God didn't want to send his son to die on the earth. That wasn't like his ultimate, yeah, let's do this. I want to just, you know, hurt my son. But he, he loved us so much so that he knew he had to do that so we could have a relationship with him and we could have eternal life, that it pleased him to do that because he knew the end result that would come from it. He totally disregarded himself and his son for us because he loved you that much. He loved me that much. That's what agape love is. It's a selfless, humility kind of love where you say, I'm going to deny what I want or what my preferences are, and I'm going to say, I'm going to do whatever's best for this person, whatever they may look like. If it hurts me, I'm going to do it anyways because I love this person and I want their well-being above my own. Um, think about how many times we've messed up, we're angry at God, and blatantly did what, the, what His Word tells us not to do. And then think about His agape love for you. Not just in salvation, 
But every time you mess up, He forgives you and gives you a hope in the future when you turn back to Him. Every time you do something you're not supposed to do, God says, if you can turn back to me, child, I'll still use you for my glory. That's a God they love. As we go deeper into it here, how do we love God in that kind of way? And this is where I think a lot of us struggle. Sometimes we understand how much God loves us and what He did for us. But how do we have that kind of same love for God? Especially as broken, sinful human beings. Uh, on 2 John 6, 1 it says, And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. So John tells us there, how do we love God? We walk in His commandments. You see under God there, how do we love God in this agape way? We walk in His commandments. I want you guys to think about your parents and your grandparents. Okay, when you were kids, or whatever you were raised by, there was a time that came in your life where you became a little bit older kid, or maybe a teenager, and you wanted to go do something, your parents said, no, I don't want you to do that. You know, that, that's dangerous for you, I don't think that's the best idea. And you probably got mad at it. You were probably upset, uh, and you probably didn't like your parents for a day or two. It happens to all of us. But looking back, hopefully as an adult now, and years removed from that, you say, I'm glad I didn't do that at the end, or go out with that person, because if I would have, my life may have looked a little bit differently. I probably would have made a bad mistake, that I would have some regrets that I carry with me today. So God loves us in a way so much so that He wants us to have a life that's full. That's full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of hope, full of happiness. But he knows that the world is going to constantly lead us down a path that is contrary to how he wants us to live and his plan for us. And he knows if we go down that path, we're not going to experience that kind of love and that joy that he's going to offer us. So he, he puts rules and commandments in the Bible and says, do this and don't do this. And if you don't do those things I tell you not to do, and if you do the things I tell you to do, you're going to have a life that honors me and I'm going to give you that peace and that love and that joy. One day when you die, you're going to spend eternity in heaven, which is a perfect place. But if you don't love God, and you don't show Him the kind of respect that He deserves, you're just going to do whatever you think is right in your own eyes. And that might work for you for a little while. You might get away with it for a little while, and you, know, you might experience some happiness. But the, the longer you live in the world, the more hurt you're predicting to come on yourself in the future. Because the longer you live as the world tells you to live, the more hurt is going to build up in your life. And um, it says, uh, I put here that a key note is uh, in, in 1 John 5, 3. And it says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. What that means is that His commandments are not a dread for us to follow. It's like, oh man, we got all these rules to follow. I can't believe that. A lot of times as little kids, how we look when our parents say, go do this or go do that. We're like, oh, mom, dad, do I really have to? I don't want to do that. Why do you have all these chores for me to do? It shouldn't, we shouldn't look at it that way. Because the way God is saying to follow Him, He's saying that when you do that, I'm going to give you life and life in abundance. And if you don't do that, you're going to experience the whole opposite of that. And if you never follow me, and you never follow my ways, then one day you're going to spend eternity separated from me. And that's going to be the darkest possible place you can be in. 
So God isn't, doesn't have these commands in the Bible to hurt us, to keep us from having fun, or so we restrict our life in some sense. He has these commands in the Bible to give us a hope in the future. So we can live the way that He's called us to live, and we can enjoy His presence here on earth, and then eventually in the life beyond. His commands are there to guide us into His perfect plan for us, to prosper us, and to give us a peace and a joy that only He can offer. So the question then becomes, why do people not follow God's commands today? Why do we not do this? And I mentioned to you a little bit, it's because people love the world more than they love God. People love the things in this world more than they love God Himself. When you look at Luke chapter 14, it says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yet even his own wife, he cannot be my disciple. And then in 1 John 2 it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Catch that again. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away with all of its desires. But whoever does the will of God, what abides forever. Those are some hard verses to comprehend and to take in. I think it was Travis Peach that came up here and talked a little bit about uh, Luke 14 a few weeks ago. And that verse when it says, you must hate your own father and mother and wife and children, or we're preaching that around Christmas time, doesn't sound very Christmassy. Uh, but that verse uh, doesn't mean that, you know, I actually hate these people around us. Obviously God tells us to love all people, especially those in our family. But what that means is that you have to love God so much more than those people that it almost seems like hatred to the world. Because you love God that much higher than anyone and everything else. That's the kind of agape love you have for God. That if God says, I want you to go and do this, or I want you to go over here, even if it takes you away from your family for a little bit, even if it's not what you want to do, or even if it's a job that maybe you think, well, God, I'd rather have something else. You say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. Your plan is better than mine, and I'm going to go and do it. Because I love you more than anyone or anything else. And I'm prepared to be and do whatever you're called me to be uh, for your glory. If your love of God is not greater than any other person or thing, you're living the wrong way. And ultimately, you're not going to follow God the way you're called to. I want you guys to listen to Romans 12. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by the testing of your faith, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I want you guys to think about that. We're called to be a living sacrifice. To love God in the way that pleases Him the most. To love God in a agape kind of way. That means I love Him no matter what and above anyone or anything else. To love God in that way means that we have to be a living sacrifice for Him. I want you guys to think about what that looks like for your own personal life. And then what that looks like for the church. In our own personal life, we all have things that we love and we value. Whether it's our favorite Netflix show, whether it's sports, and I, I love sports just as much as anybody. 
whether it's uh, your, own, your own time along reading the book, or whether it's going to the park, or fishing, or hunting. All of us have our own kind of hobbies, and interests, and, and loves. But if God is calling us to do something for Him, and that's going to conflict one of those things, it's going to take us away from doing that thing for a time. Do we always choose Him? Do we always do what He's calling us to? Or do we say, God, you know what? The game's on today. I'll honor you tomorrow. You know, God, you know, my favorite show comes on in about 10 minutes, so I know you're coming to talk to that person across the street, but I think I'll wait till tomorrow to do that. Sometimes we have that attitude. I know my, myself, I, I've been guilty of that before too. Think about your own personal life. What is that thing or that people, the people in your life that maybe you put above what God's calling you to do? Because life is short. You know, we have a big snowstorm coming in in a few days, and God forbid something happened to one of us. But people on the interstate have wrecks and, and things happen every day. And you never know when your time may be. And so there may not be a tomorrow to talk to that person. And I would hate to go to heaven and face God face to face and God say, Well, Bradley, you know, I called you to talk to uh, John yesterday about me. I called you to go across the street and uh, to share with John. What did you do? Now, and I would hate to sit in front and say, Well, God, I, I watched the Colts game instead. Oof, that's going to be a, a tough one. Um, same thing with um, you know outside of hobbies. You know, if, if, if the church is, is 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 open and God's calling you to be here to worship and to uh, enjoy, and the city decide, you know what? I think I'm just going to go fishing this Sunday, or I'm just going to go out to the park and do my own thing. Again, when you face God face to face one day, that's who you're going to have to give an account to. Uh, why you how you that with being in this house and worshiping with others. Where do you spend the most of your free time? And outside of your work, outside of your normal job, where do you spend the most time? And do you value whatever that is or those people more than you value God? Uh, is it burdensome for you to come to church? If God calls you to do something that will take you away from your family and friends for a time, are you willing to do it? How often do you talk about God over your worldly passions. Think about your conversations you have with those at work, those in public, those in your own homes, even over Christmas. Think about a Christmas dinner or a Christmas lunch and you talk to your family. How much more is a conversation about sports or politics or that famous singer or the news rather than it is about God? There's a lot of people that we interact with on a daily basis that we have a great opportunity to minister to and to share God's love. We take those opportunities time and time again to talk about anything other than God because we're scared or because we don't value them as much as those things. In addition to that, agape love is not one you have to feel to express. Agape love is not one you have to feel to express. I want you guys to think about that for a second. As we have grown in our 21st century world, somehow this concept of love has taken a turn to where I only show love to somebody if I feel it. I only show love to somebody if I'm in the mood for that. You know, I'm only going to hang out with those that I like or that benefit me. You know, if that person doesn't make me happy, I'm not going to show love to them. Think about how far we've gone wrong. Agape love 
is not one that has to be felt to express. What that means is agape love almost is the opposite of that. When you don't feel it, you choose to love anyways. When you don't feel like, you know, saying to your spouse, I love you one night, you have an argument with your friend, or you're mad at somebody at church. Agape love rises above that, and you still go and have that conversation. You ask forgiveness when you, when you make a mistake, when you say something you shouldn't say to somebody. You don't avoid that person for the next five Sundays. Agape love rises above what we feel like loving, how we, how we feel we should, we should receive love, and we say no matter how that person treats us, I'm going to show them the love that God showed me. I'm going to show them the kind of love that God's called me to love that person like. Agape love rises above your feelings and your desires and puts that aside. And an agape love for God is the love for Him even when you don't feel His presence that Sunday. There's a lot of churches today that are feel-good churches. What I mean by that is that when you come out on a Sunday, it's all about an experience. There's some churches that even kind of um, use that as a catchphrase. You know, come and experience this. This is the experience. If you're all about an experience or a feeling, you're missing the point of church. God doesn't call you to come on a Sunday so you can feel good about yourself when you leave. God calls you to come on Sunday so you can worship and glorify Him and receive what you need to live your life for Him the next week. To receive, to receive what God's calling you to do for your life and to show you His plan for you. It's not here for you to gain now, when you worship and praise God, sure, you do receive His blessings, His peace, and His love. That is a, a benefit of that. But if you're only coming to church to receive and not to give to God, you're not showing God the love. And then if you're wondering why you feel so empty and you're lacking joy in your life, it's because you're loving the wrong way. It's a love that trusts that God's plan will eventually work all things together for our good, even when we can't see it right now. There's times in my life where I've gone through some tough things. And the things I've gone through are far less than some of the other people have gone through. You know, some of you guys have gone through cancer. And some of you guys have gone through uh, major heartbreak in your life. And I can't even begin to imagine what that was like. And in those moments, our first response is not, let me praise and glorify God. Most times it's, we're mad at God. Because we don't understand. We're like, God, why did you put this on me? And I was doing the right thing. Why did you give this to me? We may never know an answer until we get to heaven. What I can assure you is, if you give it to God, He's going to use that for His glory. If you give it to God, when you get to heaven one day, He's going to show you why you had to go through that and why He put that on you. And you're going to rejoice and praise Him for that. Because you didn't see it in the moment. But now you see it later. There's a story I've shared with our youth before, I've shared with some of you guys, about Jeremy Kemp. And I used to go into winter camp this year, and um, Jeremy Camp is one of the headliners this year, which is pretty, pretty cool. But Jeremy Camp, he's a famous Christian singer right now, and he was married to a girl very young. And the girl, uh, from what we can tell, what he's told us, and what I've said about her is she was the, the light of the room. She, she loved people. She loved God. She was joyful. She was happy all the time. She was praising and worshiping God. But one day she got cancer. I think it was end up being breast cancer. I could be wrong on that. But she got cancer. And Jeremy Camp said that he was mad at God. Because he said, this is the most perfect person I've ever met on earth. As close to perfect as you can get. And she got cancer. And so he prayed and prayed and prayed for healing. He said, God, can you just take this away from her? 
Please take it away. I honor you and I praise you. Just take it away from her. So after a few months, they announced her cancer-free. He was praising and worshiping God. Things were great. She went on about her life, and she was a joyful person. But then, a few months later, the cancer came back. This time she didn't beat it, and she died. And Jeremy Kemp said that he basically could not talk to God for a while. He was so upset. He was so distraught because he was like, if God loves me that much, if God loved her, how could he treat her like that? Well, not long, probably four or five months afterwards, he decided to get back up and go to a concert. And um, there was a girl that came to the concert that night. And she said, hey, are you Jeremy Kemp? And he said, yeah. And she said, I, I knew your wife. He was like, really? I, I don't think I know you. And she told him that, she said, I was there that day at a concert where she had cancer. She knew her days were very limited. But she was worshiping and praising God like I've never seen somebody worship and praise God before. And I said, if she can have the faith like that and what she's going through, that's the kind of God I want to believe in. And she said, I gave my life to Christ that night. And hundreds and thousands of people now after hearing her story or that saw her go through what she went through still praising and worshiping God have now given their life to Christ because of that. So I want to encourage you guys tonight what you're going through may not seem fair. But God may know that what you're going through He knows if He puts that on you you're still going to worship and praise Him. And because of your faithfulness to Him there's going to be countless others that come to faith through seeing your obedience in the time that you're going through. They say, hey, if you can go through that, what I'm going through, I can go through it and make it through as well. You never know what God's plan is. She didn't know that. She never heard those stories until she went to heaven. But I'm sure now in heaven she's looking back and smiling and rejoicing, saying, hey, I'm glad I went through that. I'm glad I trusted in God. Because He used it for an incredible purpose later on. <clears throat> and the last thing is, uh, according to agape love, if we understand God's love for us, we begin to love God in that way. We have to then take the last step and love others in this way. And we talked about this a little bit, but this is probably the hardest one for most of us. Because people aren't always like God. <laughs> and most times they're very opposite. Alright, whereas God is a loving God. He cares for you. He has a plan for you. Sometimes people don't always want the best for you. And in the world we live in is a pretty evil and corrupt place. But God calls us to love others in this way and to point them to Him. So loving others like this means loving all people like this, not just those that are like us. And if you look at Isaiah in your guide, uh, it should be on the back page. Isaiah 1 says, Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Matthew 25, 37-40 says, Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the King, Jesus, will answer them and say, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And the last one here in Luke 6, 35-38, it says, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. 
Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. One day when we get to heaven, we have to give an account for our lives. I have to give an account for my life. You have to give an account for your life. Part of the account we have to give for our lives is how we treated those around us. And God, not, I mean, I don't know how He's going to do it, but God may bring up a person, an image of a person, and say, Brad, do you remember this person? You know, maybe it was a co-worker. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was somebody that came to church on a Sunday. And you may say, how did you interact with that person? How did you treat them? Did you show them the kind of love that I showed you? Did you show them anything but that? And you never know, when you show somebody agape love, where that might lead to. Because when somebody comes in, let's say on Christmas Day this year, or on Easter this year, maybe it's just a regular Sunday, the kind of love that we show that person may be a difference on if they come back or not. Maybe a difference on how they view God. Like I said with Jeremy Camp's wife, you know, she was going through something terribly dreadful on earth. But she was loving and praising God, and through that, people saw Christ. And do people see you by the way you love God that you love them? Are you still kind to those when you're going and you're having a bad day? Are you still loving to those and you don't feel like being loving? So to love others like this requires a sacrifice of our worldly desires and preferences and a call to get outside our comfort zone to help the needs of others. When we love like this, we share the love of Christ with the world. When we love like this, we feel His presence ever so near to us. Although the world needs food, water, shelter, and medical supplies, as it talks about here, we're called to help those that are less fortunate than us, to give back to others. That's one step of helping and loving others and showing this kind of agape love. If we stop there, we neglect to give them the greatest gift they could ever want or need. The world needs Jesus above all. And during the Christmas season, it's a habit of most of us to do some kind of charity work or to go out and to give to those less fortunate. And that's a wonderful thing. Again, talks about that in the Bible. That's part of having that agape love to others. But if we stop there and never share the gospel with them, Never share with them why we are doing this. Never share with them the love that God has given us and that's why we're pouring it out to them. Then we've missed the point. Because if they don't receive Christ, nothing else really matters. And on Christmas season especially, people are searching. People are looking for answers. They're saying, where's this love and this hope? Something's missing in my life. And especially those in really dire situations. And so, yes, we should help them the best we can if we have the needs to do that. But we need to show them who the true helper is, who the true healer is, who they can truly put their hope and trust in long after we're gone. If we give to the world the things above and neglect to share Jesus with them, we do not succeed in our mission, and we're not truly showing them the agape love that Christ showed people. Loving others in an agape way is being willing to do anything or be anything to reach the lost for Jesus. And as we conclude here, I want you guys to look at uh, 1 Corinthians.
And um, it's number 12, by the way. And I know it goes to two pages. And it says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them its blessings. Anybody know who wrote that? Paul, yeah, Paul wrote that. Paul went through some of the worst persecution in the entire Bible besides Jesus. Paul was beaten, shipwrecked, put in prison. I mean, Paul went through it all. But he said, I'm willing to do anything it takes to reach some for Christ. If me going through this stuff means that some people may give their life to Christ, it's worth it in the end. Because my glory, my gifts are going to be in heaven. And those gifts in heaven and what I do for Christ is going to last for all eternity. What I do for the kingdom makes an eternal impact. And that's worth it to me. I'm storing my treasures up in heaven, not here on earth. And I want you guys to think about, in our life today, many times, and including myself, neglect to have this kind of mindset. You know, we'll do some mission work where it's comfortable for us. We'll do some things that are in our kind of comfort zone. Or we'll reach out to those that are similar to us. But if somebody were to come in on a Sunday, and they were very different than us, they dressed differently, they looked differently, they acted differently, or we were to go out to a public place, and God puts on our heart to say, go talk to that person. And they're out there being kind of rowdy and rambunctious, and there's a very different personality than we are. How many of us would say, you know, God, ah, it's not me. Somebody else will have to do that. I'm sorry. I can't do that. Because we're, we're not in our comfort zone. And I want to challenge us during this Christmas season. If you're a follower of Christ, if you love God in this agape way, and He's changing you from within to love others in the same way, He is going to call you outside your comfort zone. Because the Christian life is not a life of comfort, it's a life of calling. And when God calls us to do something, we have to trust that His plan is better than ours. And when we do that, we're going to have His hand upon us. And He's going to give us the strength, the wisdom, and the words to say in that moment. And you know, I went through with our youth, and some of you guys as well, who have done Wednesday night recently, kind of rolling back into that, um, through Moses in the Old Testament. And Moses, many times, said, God, I'm not doing that. You know, I'm not, I can't speak well. That's not me. I cannot go and lead the Israelites. And I cannot go free them from slavery. And God said, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Because you're right, Moses. In your own human state, you would fail. But if you trust in me, my spirit will be upon you and you can do anything I'm calling you to do. So when God, and so eventually Moses said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. He went out and he did this. And he led the Israelites out of slavery of Egypt and up, up all the way to the promised land with eventually Joshua leading them in. And he became one of the greatest leaders in the entire Bible. In your life today, God has a wonderful plan and mission for you. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be an evangelist. Each and every person has a singular mission as the church of God. And it's to make disciples for Him. To go into the world and share this gift 
to share what Jesus did. He came to this earth as a babe, grew up, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross for their sins, rose from the grave three days later, and is alive today. You have the greatest story in the world within you. You have the Holy Spirit within you. If you're a Christian, share that with the world. Be the light that God's calling you to be. That is our mission in this world. It may look differently from, than from what I do and what you do. But if God lays in your heart to go talk to somebody, don't be afraid to do that. Because God's going to be with you. And that's the most God made love you can show somebody is to show them the true love of Christ. It's going to last for all eternity. Everyone, including me, have to ask themselves, do we have this kind of mindset tonight? Are we willing to change how we do church to reach the walls? Are we willing to go to dangerous places to reach the walls? Are we willing to approach those different than us to reach the walls? And are we willing to deny ourselves and our desires to reach the walls? If we're not reaching the walls now, then we have to change something to start doing that. If you look in your own personal life or as a church life, you say, you know what? I don't think I've ever shared the gospel with anybody. I don't think I've ever talked about my church. I don't think I've ever talked about Wednesday night. Well, hey, tonight, tonight is a great place to start. Ask God tonight to give you open doors, open hearts, show you people in your life to reach out to. And ask God to give you that kind of strength and that wisdom and that encouragement. So when you go out into this Christmas season and into the next year, as 2023 comes upon us, you can go out and share the gospel with others. You know, it's never too late to share your faith with someone around you. Your story is important because God gave you that story. Whether you think your testimony, your life is anything special at all, you never know when you share your life and your testimony with others how that may point you back to Christ. Because if Christ is in your life, He's in your story, and your story has power. And if you share that story, you never know how that may influence and impact those around you. Uh, so as we conclude here, where are you at today? Have you experienced God's love for you? Are you actively loving God in this agape way? And do you love others as God does? If the answer is no, any of those things tonight, we're going to have a time of invitation before we get to our last part of our candlelight service. And if you've never accepted God as your Savior and said, God, I know I'm, I'm a sinner. I know I can't live this life on my own. Well, I'll opportunity to do that tonight. But if you have, and many of you here are Christians, but you're not living the kind of way, you're not showing the kind of love that God's calling you to, I ask you guys, as you go through this candlelight service, reflect on your life. What is it that's holding you back? Is it something in your life you're valuing more than God? Is there something in your life that you just can't let go of? Is there unforgiveness in your heart? Is there some kind of hatred for somebody because of something that happened in the past that you need to let go and give to God tonight? If there is, I encourage you guys, as we have this time of invitation, as Rodney comes up, we sing a song here at the end. Let that go to God tonight. Whether you use the altar, whether you do it right there in your seat, let that go tonight. Ask God to give you a clean heart and to restore in you a life spirit. Let me pray for us here and then we'll continue with our service. Lord, I just pray tonight with every head bowed and every eye closed if there's anyone here that hasn't given their life to you, that hasn't experienced your love, God, that's searching right now, that's searching for hope, 
and searching for that joy. And they know that what's missing in their life is you. God, I ask that they repeat a prayer similar to this. It's not the prayer, it's the heart behind it. I ask God that they say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up in my life. And I need a Savior. Jesus, I believe you're that Savior. I believe you came to earth. You died and rose again. And you came to save me. Jesus, I, I ask you to come into my heart tonight to be my Lord and my Savior. And I'm going to put my trust in you from this day forward. So with every eye continue bowed, every eye closed and every head bowed, if tonight's the first time you've prayed that prayer, ask me just, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just raise your hand up in the air. And if this is something that maybe you don't want to raise your hand up in the air right now, and this is the first time that you've accepted Christ into your life. I ask you to come and talk to somebody about that afterwards. So we can celebrate you, you know, help you with the next steps and just worship God together with you. And then for the believer that's in the room tonight, if there's anything in your life that's holding you back from the relationship that God's calling you to have with Him and the love He's calling you to share with Him and with others, during this time I ask you to repeat a prayer Similar to this, and say, God, I know there's sin in my life. I know there's fear in my life. I know there's anxiety in my life. And God, these things are holding me back from being the person you're calling me to be. It's holding me back from loving you in this way and loving others in this way. And God, I just pray that you release those things from me tonight. Deliver me from those things, God, and give me your presence. Give me your spirit. Renew in me a clean heart and restore right spirit within me. God, I ask that as we go about this Christmas season and in the new year, that we trust you fully with our lives and that we follow your plan and your desire for us no matter where that leads and that we see your presence like never before and we glorify and praise you through all of it. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Brother Rodney, would you like to...